Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars podcast for new and veteran fans of a galaxy far, far away. Brought to you from right here in good old Englandshire. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Asquith, the smuggler with the biggest smuggle. But joining me as always is the faithful, I want to say faithful co-pilot then, but that's not true. I'm going to put him down as the navigator, the man that takes us where we're going to be. He makes sure we get there all right. And he makes some sandwiches for the trip. It's, of course, Mr. Gary Aylett with his wrapped up egg mayo sandwiches. All right, dude. I was about to say, it's always cheese and pickle. Oh, cheese and pickle. Get in. You can't beat that. I had that for lunch two days ago. Did you? Actually, yeah. I thought, I fancy a sarnie today. It's got to be the old classic. Cheese and pickle. And not the pickle that is a bit of a wimpy one. Yeah. A few years ago, they did the little small chunk one that you squeeze out of a... No, 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 no. It's got to be the, the classic proper-sized chunks of pickle. Good. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, pussy, I, are you? <laughs> like pussy around with sandwiches, mate. No Oof, room for that. I tell you what, that's a, that is a real hardcore sandwich. I'll tell you what sandwich <laughs> I like now and again, which always gets like a bit of bad rep, is just a simple cheese and onion. Bit of cheese white onion on there a sliver Perfect. what a yeah. beautiful sandwich uh, with the cheese and onion I like just a tiny little tiny little grind of the pepper unbelievable just a little bit just a little bit just enough perfect I agree <sighs> fancy a sandwich I agree with yeah. that yeah well do you know I had a cheese and ham toasty for, for lunch and it's um, a lot of people say like what would your last meal be and I think it would be a good quality cheese and ham toasty you know yeah, you like the toasty. Do you mean the one that you do in the toasty maker? with the Anything, as long as it's got cheese, it's got ham and it's melted on toast or in or around toast. Cool, you know? cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Because they always get dirty after a while, don't they? You have to make sure you clean them properly. You know the ones that almost like yeah. a panini maker, but they've got the grooves in that make the bread look like triangles of... A breville. A, yeah, yeah, that thing, yeah. My Other ones are available. Yeah, my mum had one when we were younger. I remember going to make one one time, pulling this thing out the bottom of the larder where it lived, weirdly. And uh, it had about approximately six to 12 months worth of old cheese on it still. I was like, Mum, what the bloody hell's this? She said, oh, I didn't realise we had it still. I might be making a toasty in at them. Oh, mate, there's nothing worse than a dickhead with a can of beans. Oh. Leaves it stuck everywhere. We used to work at the old place. Shared microwave. Wah, wah, wah. If you want to get your own back, stick some salmon in. That's all I'll say on that. <laughs> Moving on 
<laughs> Moving on to Star Wars. Star Wars. We are going to get into some news, aren't we? You're going to get into some news, eh, Bungle? <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, no, that's different. Hey, Red <laughs> Yeah, Roland Rat. I forgot about it. Hello, Red Fans. Hey, voice. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Roland Rat was way beyond his time. He was like attitude central, dude. Hey, what do you think about that, thing, Kevin? It's rubbish, wasn't it? Hey, rubbish. <laughs> oh, man. The guy that we used to work with, Don, God rest his soul, sounded just like that. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. What, what a voice. Have I got a story? Like this voice, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this little story. It's total digression, but it's hilarious. You need to hear it. Because the, the Roland Rat voice came into play, right? His car broke down one day. <laughs> So Dan goes into, t- sorry, he, yeah, he goes into town. Dan goes into town with him. Dan comes back. His car breaks down, right? Don's car breaks down. So he goes, right, I'm going to call the garage. He calls the garage. We're at work. Phone rings. Hello? Hacksaw? Hey, it's Don, yeah. You, what you ringing for, Don? He's like, oh, phone work by accident. No, no, mind. Hung up. Two seconds later, phone rang again. <laughs> Hello, is that the garage? No, Don, it's us again. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes later, didn't think anything of it. Phone went down. Five, ten, fifteen minutes passed. Thought I oh, must have got sword. Phone rings again. Dan, hello, Axor. And then it just this wail at the other end of it, where he must have pulled the phone away from his mouth. He's went, oh, Danny again. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just like, what the hell has just happened? Like, what was he doing for 15 minutes? And then how did he still ring us back? Oh man, he was hilarious. He once, he was listening to music on his head, on his headphones once, kept turning it up and it wasn't getting louder for him. It was getting louder for everyone else because he's been listening to it for 35 minutes without his headphones plugged in. Oh, did it all the time. He was hilarious, man. Anyway, and he used to be like that, be like, oh, rat catchers. <laughs> <laughs> He dude. sounds like a legend. What a guy. Oh, dude, he had the stories. He was, he was, hey, Marcus, he going? Not bad, Don. How are you? No bad rat catchers. He was a legend. Honestly, I love the guy. Oh, sorry, we digress. To all of our loyal listeners out there, Pascal and to Denise and uh, to everyone else, to Sean and to John and, and to Tom, like, this is why you show up, all right? You're not, I know you don't come for the Star Wars, you come for the Bants, all right? But if you want to support us, tenuous link, if you want to support the Bants, hit us up. Over on Patreon, you can get some of this. Maybe we'll do like swag where it's like, hey, rat catchers. Maybe we'll do some uh, some stickers like that that we send out to our patrons on sparkerrebellion.com slash Patreon. Go and chuck us a dollar a month and we stick it back in to the production quality, into, into some of the software that we use, and obviously into more merchandise as well. So go and support us over there, sparkerrebellion.com slash Patreon. Now, you can catch us on the Twitter as well, sparkerrebellion.com slash Twitter. If you do a better roll and write impression than us. Send us a little clip on Twitter, spikerrebellion.com slash Twitter. Now, guys, before we get to the news, as we always do, what's been going down in the Gazlar's world of Star Wars this week, then? Rewatching The Mandalorian, dude. From season one, from the beginning. Right. I thought I was... Because I've kind of come to a point with TV where I've got a bunch of stuff on the list that I want to rewatch. There's a couple of bits that I want to watch I haven't seen yet. And there's something that I'm just kind of going through at the minute. So a little bit light on the old old TV, like what am I going to do? So currently watching Hawkeye, which is very good, I must say. Very muchly enjoying that. And there's a couple of other things that have dropped on Netflix and 
there's this other subscription service here in, uh, I think they have it in the US as well, actually, in the UK called BritBox, which has got a load of old, old school uh, British television and stuff like that. And they've got some old comedies on there. So it's got that Christmassy sort of vibe, you know, Christmas trees up, dark in the evening, cup of tea, having a laugh. But anyway, I thought, uh, I do want to watch something Star Wars-y. I just don't know what, I don't want to go through another film watch through. I did the prequels recently. I don't really want to carry on with that at the moment anyway. So I thought, I know what I'll do. Because the, the Mandalorian, I've only seen that once through. Like most other TV series that I watch. Things like The Clone Wars and just other bits and pieces, you know, like Doctor Who and all that jazz. I typically watch them a couple of times through. But with The Mando, I've only seen it once, so I thought I'd watch that. So I'm three episodes down on The Mando, season one. And I've got to say, dude, it really has got... I don't need to tell you this, we all know, because I'm re-watching it, but it really has got such a great feel to it in terms of that mix between you you absolutely know it's star wars from all those design decisions and the look and feel and everything but at the same time it's got that real we haven't seen anything like it before it's like all the all the crap that's going on over there with the skywalker stuff you know let them have it go ahead and over here you've got din just doing his thing it's 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 such a cool series and i hope that i hope it continues to be that tentpole thing for disney disney plus star wars as much as i'm looking forward to the book of boba fett i really hope the mando carries on uh into season three with some coolness you know but yeah man season one it's really really good it's just really good good storytelling and good tv so i'm loving that dude so i've not done anything else but i have started to rewatch that so and i'm really liking it so yeah good what about you Good man, good man. Not too much this week. It's been a bit of a heavy couple of weeks at um, work and just getting house stuff done. Um, so I've basically just been reading as normal to knock myself out on a night. Um, so it's, it's Last Command, which I'm enjoying more than the last one, Dark Force. I thought that was, I thought was, that was so far the weakest of, of the trilogy, the middle one. Um, the third one is, is proven to be interesting uh, so far. So I'm enjoying that. You know, I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying, and you know, some of the... Um, some of the Thrawn stuff, and then I'm going to dig into that Last Ascendancy book, which will be interesting to come off the back of of, of this this original Legends trilogy. So you know, to, to kind of highlight those differences again. But now I'm just kind of heads uh, heads into that at the minute. But you mentioned the Mandalorian, and I agree with you. I think it's it's amazing storytelling. I think it's nice that it exists in this pocket, this corner of the universe, with a little bit of a touch point into other wider aspects of the galaxy with Ahsoka and Luke and all these other things. But certainly just, they're only little touch points, you know, and uh, this brings on to our, our first couple of news stories, the Book of Boba Fett, which is due out at the end of December the 29th, which is two days before Cobra Kai. We are really spoiled, dude. We are spoiled. We've got Hawkeye wrapping up after Spider-Man. We've got Book of Boba Fett. We've then got Cobra Kai. January, we've got Mobius. We've got The Matrix and bloody Spider-Man. And the, like, what a time to be us. It's amazing, dude. And then next year as well, we've got the other Spider-Man, the sequel to the animated. Oh, yeah. The Across Morales, the U- uh, Spider-Verse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks badass. I forgot about that. that. Yeah. Yeah, it all looks mint. What a time to be a geek. But look, this book of Boba Fett put out another tre- a little trailer, like a teaser trailer. A um, couple of little ties to the mythology, but a couple of other bits that I want to get into on it. So it's, there's not that much new footage. Um there is a, a quick little spot of something from a classic, now classic, 
deleted scene from A New Hope, the old Toshi station, you know, go and get your, I can't even say it, Toshi station, go and get your power converters, Luke, you little bugger lugs. Um, I mean, we've, we, as a Star Wars fan, we've all seen these deleted scenes. We've all seen in Biggs. We've all seen the fight above Tatooine uh, with the Tantive. And, you know, we've all seen these things that were cut from A New Hope and you can understand why they were cut. You know, they meant nice things for fans, but they didn't really serve the story. I get that. But we've all seen them. Now, the book of Boba Fett seems to be tying a little bit to them, certainly with this inclusion of what appears to be the old Toshi station. Now, it is a sort of blink and you'll miss it thing, but it does appear to be, you know, fairly legit. You know, it does appear to be fairly legit. So there's a couple of bits that I want to get to with this book of Boba Fett trailer. But first up, you know, this little link into A New Hope. You digging this one? Yeah, I love this one, dude. I really like it. One of my favourite locations in the Star Wars universe is Tatooine. And the... I was, I thought that they were probably going to reserve a lot of that stuff for the Obi-Wan show. Because I think the location, more than anything, is going to play into the storytelling for that one. But it's cool that uh, they've explored some of this other stuff. So it's very cool. And um, you, are, you are right. And some of the blogs that have reported on it, you have, to, you have to pause the video to get it because it's literally on for a second and that's it, a second and a half. So, um, But they've recreated it very well, though. Almost identical, in fact. If you go back to that deleted scene, the lighting's obviously different. It's a different time of day it's, and, and all that stuff. But everything else is bang on, dude. What a job that would be. We need you to, we need you to recreate some Star Wars sets. Oh, go on then. You twisted me arm. Oh, it's the worst things to do on a Monday. But go on then. I'd love that job. Recreate I mean, this is a arm. spot. Do you know what I mean? This is a spot. Like, who the heck has spotted this? <laughs> It's someone that's watched these deleted scenes so much because it, it looks just like any other entrance to any other hut on, you know, clearly Tatooine. But it, this is, the, I mean, if you look at this, the, the screen cap is all over the place. We're looking at it on Gizmodo. But if you look at it, like, it's not necessarily the door and any of that stuff that you find. It's the four shelves next to it and the round um, control panel area with the vertical lights that are in a specific order with, you know, the red and the blue and the two whites. And you're like... What? Like, who saw that? <laughs> that Star Wars fans for you, dude. It really is, isn't it? Like, would, I wouldn't have got this. I wouldn't have, I'd have, I'd have known Toshi Station. I'd have seen it on the, on the, uh, the, the actual event on the program itself. But this split second, I would not have clocked this, dude. Would you have got this? No way. No. Because one of the things around visual language with architecture, especially on Tatooine, is that a lot of the places look really similar. It's very hard to tell sometimes if if you see just a quick shot of something in the trailer. Sometimes you think, is that Tatooine? Is that Mos Espa? Mm. You know, is it another cantina completely? But all of the, you know, all of the sandstone walls and domed roofs and everything, they all look pretty much the same. So you would just assume it was just a bespoke thing that was built for that scene or, or that part of the, the TV show. So when you go back and somebody's clocked it and you think, how much time have you got? <laughs> on your hands that you've noticed that or how many times have you watched it it's crazy but i guess the giveaway is that circular panel in the wall with the lights that's probably that's probably the giveaway isn't it mhm i think so and 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 yeah that's the thing that makes you think wait a second and then the, the, when you look deeper at it and they've got the four shelving units and everything around like even the in- inside of the door frame is like the same it's almost you know? the same the border Almost radius, the, the border radius on the corners of the door. Oh, it's a bit yeah, it's a bit firmer. The, yeah. Almost. Yeah. 
Maybe just that's just the angle. Maybe that's just the angle. Coming at it from a different angle. But Coming at it, so... Uh, good. Yeah. Have a laugh at work with Boba Fett. Exactly. Nothing vicious. But Toshi Nothing Station, vicious. though, dude. That it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Now, let's let's get on to this trailer overall, because the, the end of the trailer, there's, no, like, there's not much new footage to this one, but there is this final kind of parting gambit from Boba Fett. And he says it with a little bit of venom. Left for dead on the Sansa Tatooine, I am Boba Fett. You know, and he says it in the, the, the Tamura Morrison voice that I cannot do. Um, what I think the thing that I want to kind of pick up with this one is that when we saw Boba last, he was obviously on the throne of Jabba the Hutt's palace and, and, and Fennec Shand was right there next to him. And I'm sure Bib, Bib Fortuna's around, blah, blah, blah. I, when, when we'd seen him through Mando, he was, he was playing almost the Wolverine. He was like the, the reluctant hero. And he was. Now, that's not something that we associate in canon with Boba Fett. You know, if we look at him in Clone Wars, if we look at him in Attack of the Clones, if we look at him in Rebels, <clears throat> excuse me, anything that we've seen him in, even in the Empire comics, you know, anything that we've seen him in, he's Boba Fett, the bounty hunter. And I think when you see him in Mando, it's very easy to think, oh, the guy's changed his tune. The guy's, you know... He's doing all right now. He's on the good guy's side. But he's probably not any different. It just so happens that the person that stumbled across him in the Mandalorian was a bloody Mandalorian. And so it bought him a bit of respect. You know, he had the armor. It was a, a respect thing. He was the adopted Mandalorian, much like Jango Fett was, you know, which was a real big contentious point that was cleared up by the Mandalorian. Um, what I'm getting at here is it's easy to think that Boba Fett's changed his tune that he's, he's, you know, he's changed his spots. But actually, this season, it seems to be angled much more around, actually, no, this is the Boba that we know. This is the badass. And he's clearly badass in Mando, but is, is he still a mercenary? Is he still the badass bounty hunter? Does he still sell out? Does he still, you know, is it himself before the galaxy? you know, and those around him. So I think it's interesting because there's that one line and how it's delivered. It, it adds that bit of grey area back that seemed to have sort of been pulled away a little bit in the Mandalorian because he just, he was allying with the Mando, whereas, you know, he wasn't against him. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes, dude, exactly. Yeah, so I think my thought on that was there were two things that made him slightly different in the Mandalorian that we know from the typical Boba Fett and all those appearances that you mentioned. The first one was that there was almost a kinship between the Mando and Boba Fett because they were both knocking around in Mandalorian armour. Even though he had a bit of a bee in his bonnet about Boba Fett wanting his armour back in the first place because he was like, well, you're not, you're not Mandalorian. You're not like a pure blood, I suppose. But then they kind of sorted that out and then they had a bit of, a bit of common ground and stuff. So that pulled him away from that badass you know, selfishness that the bounty hunters have throughout those, especially this era of Star Wars. And then the other thing was, it felt like he was having to do it out of duty, but didn't really want to. He's almost like Boba Fett had this plan all along that he was going to, at one day, you know, retrieve his armor and then go and retake the crime uh, underworld sort of thing on Tatooine. So he really, it felt like he wanted to crack on with that, but because he was kind of held by duty to the Mandalorian, he had to follow that through. That deviated from his plan a wee bit. So I feel like that's what made him come across slightly differently from the Boba Fett that we know from all the other appearances. And then in fast forward to now his own show, I don't know if it's, um, I, I think we're still going to get that 
that that sort of ruthlessness from him just by very nature of him being or reinserting himself as a bit of a crime lord in place of Jabba the Hutt. So I do think we are going to get that, but it feels like there's a little bit more. What's the word? Um, it feels like there's a bit more uh, reverence to it, a little bit more. Oh, I can't, there's probably a word for it, but anyway, because he's now supposedly reclaimed the the crime throne now that Jabba's gone, he seems to be twitching it up a bit, like in the previous trailer. Uh, twitching it up, switching it up a bit. In the previous trailer, he said that Jabba ruled by fear. He wants to rule by respect. So I think he's after that. I'm not just the head of the table anymore. I'm head of the table for this reason, you're, and you'll respect why I'm doing that. So I think we will see it, dude, that typical Boba Fett stuff, but it will probably it will be switched up a little bit with some other motives, I think. Yeah. I would agree with that one. It's it's interesting to add that nuance to a character that's been very one-dimensional, theoretically, you know. I as I is bad guy, I is bounty hunter. Um you know, it, it's interesting. Um just to see what they can add to that and to keep him an interesting character. And I think Tamira Morrison's got a much better range than you'd ever see in Star Wars for this sort of thing. Um, you know, he's he's, he's clearly capable of actually acting and not just being uh, you know, Boba Fett, the the kind of machine guy, the 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 kind of you know, the, the just, the, the, the one dimensional thing that we've seen. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting this dude. And I'm looking for, I mean, it's not long to wait now anyway, but we got three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. Three weeks, I think. Uh, well, three weeks on Wednesday, just gone. Yeah. So not too long at all. I agree. I agree. So looking forward to it. All right. Patty Jenkins over on Jedi news.com. Yeah. You know, she was, uh, stepped away from rogue squad squadron. You know, she's stepping away from it once you do the creative differences. Oh, yeah, creative differences, that old chestnut. Yep. Well, I don't know who she is. Or if it's, I don't know what's going on. Because according to Jedi News, who say that it's according to Deadline, apparently she's sticking around. Deadline is reporting that Patty Jenkins has handed over directorial reins of Cleopatra, starring Gal Gadot, to Carrie Scotland allowing her to focus on Wonder Woman 3 and Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Now, Wonder Woman 3 is no surprise, and this is from Jedi News directly, um, who seems to be paraphrasing Deadline. <clears throat> and the Wonder Woman 3 is no, no surprise whatsoever. I don't know much about this Cleopatra movie. Obviously, it's going to have Gal Gadot in it. If it's a Cleopatra movie, she, you know, she seems to fit the bill relatively nicely from what, what culture says that Cleopatra um, should look like. But it's that point about, you know, this Carrie Scotland. Fine, whatever, this is not the piece that we're interested in here. It's the fact that Patty Jenkins is focusing on her next two projects of Wonder Woman 3 and Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Because sort of goes against what we'd heard before. Now, I know that, you know, reporting in, in, in particular with Star Wars is obviously sens sensationalised anyway. You know, it's like... You know, Patty Jenkins quits Road Squadron or, you know, Road Squadron pushed back due to creative differences or is, you know, she's still around. But they, I don't know, just it coming out and being said that she's focusing on the next two projects and one of them in Road Squadron, it doesn't track with the severity of that last announcement like two or three weeks ago. Now, there was probably someone in that last one, it being pushed back or, um, you know, th things perhaps not going to plan behind the scenes. But it's sort of like, no, maybe that wasn't as severe as we thought. Do you know what I mean? It's like this one sort of dampens that one a little bit. This report dampens the previous one. Uh, it feels to me like, as with anything Star Wars movies right now, sadly, I don't think we really know what we should be believing. 
exactly that dude. I'm not really sure what to go on. Uh, this is one of those things we say all the time, don't we? When we're talking about rumors and news stories and all this stuff, we always say we should have a meme for it. I suppose it's like, just take this with the, not a pinch of salt, but take this with, you know, a, a gallon sized barrel of salt, all of these things, because you know, you never, nobody really knows exactly what the crack is with this stuff. You know, it's all just Chinese whispers, really. Some YouTuber says it or some website reports that they've got an insider that says it. And before you know it, the internet says that's a thing. And then we're reporting on it like, yeah, she's off the project and Rose Squadron's not going to happen or that. And then <laughs> literally a week, two weeks later, it's like, nope, she's back on. She's cancelled something else. She's back on. So I honestly don't know, dude. I think it's a weird, it's a weird thing. She was always going to do Wonder Woman 3, right? That was never in question because of her connection to that franchise and to that character. So that was never in question. But the other one, Cleopatra, I'm just wondering if that's... I'm, I'm wondering if that was ever confirmed anyway because it was always said that she was attached to it. But um, who's making Cleopatra? Was it Paramount? Yeah, and she's there as producer now as well. So she's stepping into producer role. Yes, yeah, exactly. So Paramount have never said that that she was going to be, she was going to take up directorial duty. They always said that she was just attached to that role. So nothing's really changed, I don't think, in in regards to that film. But the whole Rogue Squadron one, I'm not sure because there was another story that it was equally as ridiculous that we didn't speak about. But somebody said that, Rogue Squadron was just pinned just on the back burner indefinitely. And again, Lucasfilm and Disney never said that. They just said that Patty Jenkins wasn't involved in that anymore due to creative differences. But how do you go back on that then, though? So if some if she's been bumped off, not literally, but, you know, if she's been moved aside because of creative differences, you can't just wake up one morning and think, actually, I don't have those differences anymore. Patty, you're back on. So how does that work? Have they changed who's managing that? I don't know. It's weird, dude. But the more I, the more we read these stories and stuff, the more I'm just becoming less and less bothered about the film, to be honest with you. <laughs> Being totally honest. It's an interesting one with the moves in Star Wars because it, it takes a lot to attract someone to Star Wars if it's not a Skywalker thing. So you've got to get it right. You know, the only one that did semi-decently is, of course, Rogue One because it was essentially a Skywalker story but from a different perspective and just, you know, it, it was enabling the rest of the saga. Um, so, yeah, it's a weird, weird, weird one, weird one, weird one, especially when you consider that they've got so much riding on these things, you know, and it, it, it's the, the reputation that Disney has forged when it comes to, 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 to Star Wars on the big screen is it, nothing short of tumultuous, you know. It needs that, it needs that, that stability, you know, and they're just not doing it. They're just simply not doing it. Um, you know, if, if you flip around onto the next story, which is is around the TV, you know, they seem to have a little bit more stability going on. Granted, Rangers of the New Republic was pulled, uh, but everything seems semi-stable on the TV front, which, which, like I said, leads on to this next story, which is is just casting. I mean, casting is, is, is moving quickly, dude. We're getting a lot of casting. We've got some Ahsoka casting over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we know Kenobi. We know that Andor's, you know, kicking around. We've got the Book of Boba Fett. Like, these guys are firing on all cylinders, and, and they've now cast... You remember the old High Republic TV show that they mentioned, The Acolyte, 
which they announced uh, at the same time as Rangers of the New Republic and 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 uh, a couple of other things. They've started casting for that as well now. So uh, Amanda Stenberg, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Amanda Stenberg is in talks to apparently join the Acolyte, which is the High Republic series for Disney+. Plus. Um, now, Stenberg, according to Variety.com, she made a bit of a debut in The Hunger Games. I, I've only seen that once, can't remember. And she's... It sounds like she's sort of been touted as the star of this. So the Acolyte, we don't know too much about, but as posited by Variety, obviously, the Acolyte is very, very close to the Sith in terms of vernacular when it comes to Star Wars. You know, we, we associate uh, almost like Padawan or, 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 you know, a youngling for the Jedi. Acolyte refers to someone very early in the kind of Sith career, you know, good pension, Ooh. which is nice. Um, <laughs> so I never put two and two together with that one, but it, it does. We've heard about it before. You know, we, we've, we've read a lot about acolytes and so on. Now, what's interesting about this? Sure. Casting, great stuff, whatever. That's nice. I'm sure we're all delighted with that. Makes, you know, is what it is. However, there is another little nugget, a little tidbit in this piece from Variety. Disney and Lucasfilm previously confirmed that the Acolyte will take place in the final days of the High Republic era of the Star Wars timeline, which we know is getting great reviews, and we've got some more news about that later. High Republic is doing well. And it will focus on the emergence of a secretive dark side power. And for context, the High Republic era is said to have ended about 50 years prior to the events of The Phantom Menace. Now, I didn't know that, and I don't think anyone really knew that. I don't know if that, that's not a thing that has been thrown around, because it was, is it 200 or 400 years um, where the, the, the High Republic sort of starts, or not starts, but where the current storytelling, it was around there, was it, was it two or 400? But it was long enough to, yeah, I think it might have been, but it was, it was long enough to only cross over when you got, there was a couple of like uh, Sanube, the Jedi Sanube, and of course Master Yoda, who's just a knight. Oh, he's a Jedi Master, but he's not on the council. Um, he, you know, there's a little bit of crossover, but dude, if this is taking place only 50 years before the Phantom Menace, there's a couple of big players that are knocking around at this point. A couple of really bloody big players. Well, yeah, I mean, 50 years. I would have said 100, but. Coming from a different different angle. What's Neil doing? He's already started including big players. <laughs> but you're right, though, dude. That's not long in the world of you know Star Wars storytelling. Fifty years is a little speck on the on the mm. timeline, you know. So yeah, that's interesting. And the hmm, so the acolyte thing, I didn't I didn't put two and two together in terms of. Uh, the equivalent of like you were saying, the, a youngling or a, a Padawan sort of thing. But the name's perfect, absolutely perfect. So the dictionary definition of acolyte is a person assisting a priest in a religious service or procession or an assistant or follower. And that sounds very much more Sithy, doesn't it, than you wouldn't associate the word acolyte with anything to do with Jedi or the light side. So uh, that one went completely over my head, dude. <laughs> when I... This whole time when I've just thought about the acolyte, I've just thought some 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 dude knocking around that's you know searching for a higher power, uh, not necessarily a you know a Sith wannabe trainee, whatever. 
Um, so yeah, uh, 50 years before... Hmm. Uh, sorry, get back to the casting announcement, of course, which is the point of the story. Um, Amandla Stenberg. I don't remember her from The Hunger Games either. Sorry, Amandla. Um, but fair play. Yeah. Aren't your stripes in, your, in the movies? Now you're coming to TV. Not a downgrade. Not a downgrade at all. Disney Plus is doing very well. So Keep up doodling. Keep it up. You've got to be good there. 50 years before. That's really... That's, um, so who are you thinking then in terms of big players? Well, I mean, the big one, obviously, is Palps and Plagueis. But that you know, wouldn't make sense, though, because we know his timeline already. He didn't have an apprentice, did he, at this point, 50 years before The Phantom Menace, because he was still, he was apprentice to, because um, in that book, oh, it's not canon anymore, is it? Yeah, so in the Plagueis book, he's kind of doing his thing right up into the events of the start of The Phantom Menace, isn't he? Exactly, yeah. Hmm. But he was like at the Phantom Menace. He was what fifty, sixty years old. Um, you know, he, he and he, and so he he's. I'm not saying this is her. You know, she's his apprentice or acolyte. I'm just saying that he's knocking around, and for someone of that power to be knocking around and starting his Sith career at probably around the same time as this acolyte is, like that can't be a coincidence. They've got to be doing something. So I, I wonder if they're do, doing something where, um we just start to see a bit of a tie between these two eras, you know, and this is that sort of final bit of cotton between, you know, the la- the very last vestiges of the High Republic are brought down by the very beginning of the Republic slash Empire as we then became familiar with. You know, it, it just seems weird that they've chosen that because if they were going New Republic, uh, sorry, Old High Republic full, just stick it a hundred years ago, you know, just take it far enough away that we don't expect anything, you know? So it just, it feels weird and purposeful that they've gone 50 years because let's assume Plagueis is canon. The character is mentioned in, in Secrets of the Sith. Let's assume roughly the same kind of origin for Palps. You know, he's around, man. And then you also, but so is Yoda. You've got Mace Windu who's going to be around, man. He might only be 10 or 15 or 20, but he's in training. Or, mm. you know, he might be. So what I'm saying is that there's there's a lot of potential crossover with this. Hopefully they'll not overdo it, but I just can't see it being an accident. Yeah. And now that you've mentioned that, it can only be Palpatine, can't it? Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of uh, that Plagueis book, it sort of um, drums it into the reader that uh, sort of really drills it in that in terms of the Sith, after they lost the great war with the Jedi, however many years before that, they were always going to be just two of them. They were never going to, you know, whereas Luke's motive after the return of the Jedi, his motive was to restart the Jedi order and start training new Jedi and get the Jedi back on its feet. I think the Sith, when they lost, you know, way before that, their motive then was to be more like the silent, um, the silent type. And they decided they was it Ray was it Raven or someone else decided that there were ever there was only ever going to be two Sith mm, left. Gas Bane, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh Bane, sorry, yeah. And so at this point then, fifty years before, I think this is the point, isn't it, where Palps has already slayed Plagueis, killed him in his sleep, and now he's the the last remaining Sith dude. So if it's gonna have any link to that in terms of dark side stuff, it can only be Palps, because there's only one there's only two Sith he's, and he's killed his master. So he's the only one left. So if he's looking for an apprentice or an acolyte, you know, 
few years. No, I, I don't know. I think that timing's a bit off. Because I think, <laughs> I think um, no, 50 years before the Phantom Menace. So he slays him during Phantom Menace. Uh, yeah, but this is the journey of the Acolyte. So the culmination is probably meeting Palps, right? When we get to the oh, end of yeah, however yeah, many yeah. series the Acolyte is, if it's one or three, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Okay, I imagine that, that the, the build-up... The will be pretty young. Exactly, yeah. So the build-up of the storyline will culminate with, you know, Rise, Darth, whatever your name is now. The Acolyte mm. has finished its journey and has found Palps. They're now, you know, there's always two. And that's, that's your thing. So th- the Acolyte is probably a younger character to begin with. And then, mm. it, yeah, it builds into that thing. Because at that point, 50 years before, it's Plagueis. He, he'd be the one. He'd be the main guy. He's a man, isn't he? So he's really, he can live for ages anyway. So mm. plus couple that with all the force experiments he's doing to mm. be immortal, essentially. He's going to be knocking around, right? So he's the one, the main guy, 50 years before the start of The Phantom Menace. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Palps, you'd think Palps were pretty early in his career with this one. But I think what's fascinating with that is that, yeah, clearly ruler two, but we know that they don't really give a shit about that. You know, you, they've got ways around it, they? Like the Inquisitors. Oh, yeah, no, you're definitely not Sith. Like, dress like us and, you know, <laughs> do what you want a red lightsaber, you do what you want. But you are not, you know, you know, you are not having a membership card. There's only two of us. But am I telling you not to act like Sith? Oh, no. See you later. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's an exclusive club. Yep. You're not invited. You can be on the door, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't come wearing those trainers. So he's sort of like, you know, it, there's always been scope for other Sith. True. Like Ventress, yeah. prime example. You know, the, and they've, whoever's the second in command has always got an apprentice that they think that their boss doesn't know about. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Because Maul was around before Plagueis was killed. Ventress was around. You know, you had Sav- uh, Savage Oppress. You had... It, there was... There are so many of these examples um, where a Sith had an acolyte, but didn't tell the boss. But the boss knew anyway. You know what I mean? It's one of those. Yeah. Are you sure? What's her name? Julie. <laughs> Julie. Julie what? <laughs> Julie Anderson Sith. Yeah, it's, it's almost like it's expected of them. So anyway, let's wrap that up because I think I think that's fascinating. I think there's something interesting about that timeline. I was interested in High Republic anyway. Um but I think the choice of that timing is on purpose. I don't think I don't think it's an accident that it's so close to Phantom Menace. Um, and I, dude, Cypher Dias, you know, he gets all those Dooku. Holy crap, Dooku's like seventy at Attack of the Clones, eighty. You know, he's he's a major player, surely. Mm. Well, it depends so, on when they. It depends on when they frame him, leaving the order. Well, that's the thing. He might be a hero. He might be the Jedi. He might be one of the Jedi. That's what I mean. At that point, he could yeah. be. Yeah, could be a Jedi at that point before he's yeah. defected. Yeah. Well, I think in canon, Dooku left after Phantom Menace, um, after the death of Qui Gon. Uh, it, it was that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's like that's a year. Well, that's about Phantom Menace time. So this is fifty years after the Acolyte. So Duke, but Dooku was clearly a Jedi fifty years before Phantom Menace. So just there's so much of this we could go into, but holy crap. It just it's fascinating, mate. It is fascinating. Mm. So we shall see. But that's interesting. Sorry, Amalda. We spent a little time on you and a lot of time on the timeline. So I apologize. Yep. Good. Keep up the good work. Right. Much (laughs) firmer in your arena. 
you're the gamer. Well, we're both gamers, but you're the better one and much more into it. Wow. Well, you remember that Quantic Dream game that was rumoured a bit ago? We talked about it, didn't we? We did. I spoke in length on my solo show a month ago. Oh, yeah. About well, it. now we has a trailer. Lucasfilm tweeted, unveiling Star Wars Eclipse, an upcoming High Republic era action adventure game currently in early development by at Quantic underscore Dream in collaboration with Lucasfilm Games. Looks pretty freaking sweet, dude. There's everything in there. There's new aliens. There's familiar aliens like a moon. There's a moon in there. There's, there's Jedi. There's lightsabers. There's big ass drums. And there's a little tease at the end that looks like Venom's in it. <laughs> like, it's like the perfect trailer, dude. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. What do you make of this? I love that. There's big ass drums. Yeah. There are big ass drums. Because they've got that on the soundtrack and then they're like, no, no, no. Let's show that someone's playing these drums. So we're going to make them part of the game. Yeah. Good. We need to make these drums canon. So let's have somebody playing them. Because they're yeah. not normal drums. They've got like a They'll pattern be on, on Wookie- them. Yeah, they have. They'll be on like Wikipedia. Drums. Drums first appeared in the 2021 trailer for the Quantic Dream game. That's what happened. Yes. And now we now know that these drums were, the skins were hand-stitched back on Kashyyyk, back in some battle somewhere. And now they've been used as drums in some Anyway. Kashyyyk. Anyway, so Star Wars Eclipse, dude, this looks absolutely badass. This looks so good. I mean, it's, I think we're going to be spoiled over the next few years for Star Wars games, you know, now that they've, now that Lucasfilm has ditched the whole exclusivity license with EA, and now they're starting to, they formed their own publishing and story group company, Lucas, you know, Lucas Games is, or Lucasfilm Games, as, as it were, is now back on the on the map for a year or two. And now they've started to forge these relationships with these really good studios that they never could have done under the EA banner. They just wasn't possible. And we were screaming for this for so long, for about, I don't know, three or four years before that license was, or that agreement was due to expire. We were like, you've got to start looking at other studios because all EA are going to do is just churn out the same the same stuff for a while. So now we're starting to see the the, the fruits of that stuff, you know, coming to bear. It's uh, So I think we're going to be spoiled. We've got this one. We've also got that big open world Star Wars game coming from Ubisoft, which also sounds very cool. But this one's a lot more ahead in development than what I thought it was because... The stories that were leaking and rumoured um, over the last month when I first spoke about it, it was almost like, yeah, this these guys have just signed with Lucasfilm Games and it's in early development and we'll probably have a trailer next year and then the game will come out in like 2024 or something. But if you look at the trailer and all the concept art and everything, it's like the game is is there. You know, ev- everything has been, has been done and I don't know, dude, it just looks badass. So I imagine this will be a 2023 release, I would have thought. Um, but it's got some fascinating stuff in it, dude. The thing I'm most looking forward to is just being able to rock and roll and do whatever you like. You know, the, they really hammer home this concept of like multiple story, multiple characters, make all the decisions that you want that will inflict on other characters. And then that will have consequences for other stuff. And it just sounds wicked, dude. And the graphics look really good. Really, really good. What are you up for this one, dude? Your type of game? 
Yeah, big time. I'm a, I'm a big campaign guy. I mean, I'm I, I really enjoy multiplayer, but I have to be really in the mood for it. Like the new Halo, I'll probably jump into multiplayer. And and I did you know Warzone was probably the last big thing, apart from PGA Two or Two K Two One, which is badass. Um, but I'm not a big like I don't buy a game for the multiplayer. If I like the multiplayer, it's a, it's because it's a byproduct of a decent campaign. Um, so yes, I am up for this because I I like the replay value of a good campaign as well. Like I hammered Spider Spider Man on the PS, and like got to hundred percent on it. Like got so much value for money out of those games. Um, and, and and this feels like it's a similar sort of thing, like I did with the Arkham games, and you know every every one of those has been a hundred percenter. Um, so yes, I am well up for this. I think it if it plays like Star Wars, if it feels like Star Wars, which it bloody does from the trailer. Um, and I'm, again, I'm interested in the timeline. Like, when's this going to take place? Is it, you know, is it a coincidence that it's set in the High Republic and it's been announced at the same time as the Acolyte casting? Like how we, we were sold the High Republic as this big multimedia initiative that is clearly tied together. The comics are tied to the books and to the, the TV, you know, how closely are the storylines going to intersect and obviously they can't rely on each other, but how much Easter egg are we going to get? How much linkage are we going to get? Mythology are we going to get? It's just a whole new chapter. Um, so yes, I am very much up for this, dude. In terms of timeline, you see Yoda in the Jedi Council chambers. I was just looking at that. Yeah, he stood there looking out. So it's interesting. Is yeah. he a master at this point? Do we think he he is in the yes. so in the High Republic? I think he's already like he's not the Grand Master, but I'm fairly sure. Unlike what I said earlier, which was a mistake, I think he's on the council. He is on. But I don't the, think he's yeah. Yeah. He's not the Grandmaster. Because um, they even, like with the High Republic, they're even saying things like, you know, Yoda is clearly the best. Like, you know, the only way we could win this is if Yoda showed up. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's touted as being like the daddy. Um, <clears throat> so I think, I don't know, this picture of him in the Jedi Council chamber, that's reminiscent of Phantom Menace and all that sort of stuff. But also, because it's only him there, it implies that he's the Grandmaster. And number two... I mean, holy shit, if we think about this, you know, the rise of something from the dark side, that's pretty much what the synopsis for the bloody Acolyte was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we know that in The Phantom Menace, people are saying, you know, the Republic's been under the shroud of the dark side for a hell of a long time. This is just the culmination of it. Mm. Maybe, you know what I mean? I don't know, maybe they're pulling on some threads, dude. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it certainly sounds good, though. I mean, it's not going to be a linear thing where you just pick a character and then you go off to level by level and do your thing. It genuinely sounds like if anyone's played their previous couple of games, I think the most famous one is Detroit Become Human. That was praised for its multi-threaded story and decision-making and character stuff. So if it's anything like that, it will be a great Star Wars game on its own right. But if they can weave all this High Republic stuff in nicely and really set up the other stuff that's coming from Disney Plus and some other books and stuff, then... I think they could be onto a little bit of a winner, dude. This could this could be the start of like a really cool thing where we look back in five, ten years and be like, oh, the High Republic stuff is so good. Remember in the game we did that? Remember in that book that character t- popped back up again? And yeah, it could be awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. I, it's it's going to be fascinating, this. It, in it's, it really is that true multimedia initiative that we were promised a few years ago. You know, I think the High Republic has delivered on everything that I've I've wanted so far. Um, I have not seen anything that I've disliked with it. Sure, some of the books, some of the junior novels, like I said, the Claudia Gray one was harder to read than I'd liked and maybe not as good as I'd have expected. But in the context of the entire High Republic, there's not a weak point. It's it's 
it's all very good stuff. It's just the bar is so high for people like Claudia Gray. So, dude, yeah, fascinated by it. I'd be interested to see who written this as well, like how much they'd pulled on the story group because they pulled all those people in like Kevin Scott and, um, you know, what's his name? John, bloody John Jackson, whatever his, I can't remember his name, you know, the guy that did the Obi-Wan book um, and, and Claudia Gray and all these amazing talents. So how much input have they had and how much input has, has, has that team had on this writing? So yes, fascinating stuff. Very, very interested. All right, let's wrap up for the day with one of those nice stories that makes us wish that we just had a little bit more self-restraint and a little bit more generosity from our mum and dads as children. Oh, you know, they're reissuing all these Empire Strikes back and all these vintage collection pillbox, pill-packaged Star Wars toys at the 3.75 and the 6-inch scale. They're all the rage, aren't they? I've got a few of them. I know you have been looking at some. And, like, they're just reissuing a lot of them. Well, one of the originals, a pally toy, Empire Strikes Back, Princess Leia, in original packaging, which had apparently a really rare picture card, according to Fox News. So there's only a few of these done like a handful with this specific picture card of, of Leia in these particular sets of robes. I think it's the Cloud City robes, isn't it? And it went on the old, uh, on the old auction from Vectis Toy Auctions. It went for a little figure. It went for $12,000. Nearly Jeez. 10 grand. It's insane, mate. I mean, this is this is a big one. Um, it is in pristine condition, and it's the it's it's the rarity um, of this picture. Um, it, it's to do with that you can only see in this picture a portion of Leia. You can only see down to about her just above her knees. Apparently, this was replaced later with a full length picture of Princess Leia, which is why these cards, which they call the transitional cards, according to Fox News, which is why this one is so rare. So, I mean, dude, again, another one of those things where if someone walked up your stairs and saw that you had some, they'd just be like, oh, that's nice. But if a collector or a Star Wars fan walked up, they'd be like, wait a second. Is that what I think it is? So just <laughs> another one of those cool things, man. Yeah, this is very cool. And it's a really good figure as well. I love the card, the card back on this. It's, yeah. You know, when you see the, the re- release and release and what a word. You know, when you see the recent releases from Hasbro who package some of their stuff up to look like the vintage line with the whole Kenner logo on it and all that stuff, you can see just how how much of an impact these early designs had on things like um, toy packaging and box art and all that stuff. Um, it's not changed one iota since then. The only difference now is the more recent stuff that they... Uh, make look like it's vintage and retro line is that they just changed the logo. So Palatoy is now um, obviously not a thing. So I think Palatoy was an old, uh, an old British toy company. Actually, I think mm. it was Kenner or yeah, Kenner at the time, something like that. Anyway, I think Palatoy was the British arm of the manufacturing bit to do the Star Wars toys in the UK. I think it was only for a few years, which is why the the Palatoy ones are really rare con- um, in comparison to the Kenner stuff. Um. But yeah, even that that the the cover art on the carded stuff, it just looks so good. Like there's no reason that's why they haven't changed it in like decades because the the designers just nailed it. So and then the figure itself, you know, it's what's it's to be expected of its time. It's very um 
it's very retro Star Wars for its time and pretty basic. But what a cool thing to add. And the thing is with these figures as well that go for this much money is that you'd have to have at least one person in your friend, you know, in your your friend circle that knew about this stuff because nobody else would. No, Nobody would walk into your house and see this in its little graded acrylic case and be like, oh, that looks old. How much was that? 50 quid. Car boot. Nah. You'd have to have that one mate that came around and went, holy shit, you've got an original Palatoy Empire Strikes Back layer. Can I borrow a fiver? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could be my mate that notice. I'll be your mate that notice. That's it. We can we can do that. We'll do that job for each other. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Easy, innit? Easy. Well, it was sold in the UK as well. It was sold in Stockton on Tees. Um, so yeah, it does imply that it was a it stayed in the UK. It was bought in the UK probably by a you know a parent for the kid and the kid had just collected and off you go, you know, fair play. Fair play on that one. Alright, my man, let's stick a pin in that one for one more week. This has, of course, been Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars show. It's always a pleasure to chat Star Wars with not only you, guys, but with the avid Star Wars fan out there who is looking for their quick update on news. We stop you having to Google stuff. You are very, very welcome. Also, we had witty banter and discuss rolling right red catchers. So you are very welcome for that. Now, if you want to support our rolling the rat experience our impressions then you can do that over at patreon and might even get yourself some star wars swag to boot go and chuck a book at us at sparkerrebellion.com slash patreon and remember if you want to talk about the book of boba fett if you want to talk about a weird looking princess leia figure that sold for an extortion amount of money if you want to discuss the high republic with us you can do so over at twitter which is sparkerrebellion.com slash twitter so for me it's good night enjoy yourself Stay safe. And guys, always a pleasure, my man. I'll see you. I'll see your bad self next week. It's going to be probably our last one next week before Christmas, isn't it? I believe so, dude. Yeah, what's next what, John? Week? Trousers on? Trousers off? What are you thinking? Yeah, pants day. Trousers off. Let's do it. Hey! All right. Five-year-old piss day. You remember them? <laughs> you ever been on a stag do where you do a five-year-old piss? I've, no, but I know of it. <laughs> right. Sounds great. Well, that's what we're doing. You and me next night out. Gaz, five quid there. Five-year-old pee. <laughs> I'm up for that yeah well on record here everyone and this is why you tune in for dares like this yeah I can see I can tell in his tone he's like well you say that now that's, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going to be saying to you on that night when you're like don't know about this mate I'm up for that <laughs> well alright alright you heard it here I'm not going to back it up. first <laughs> anyway it's been great talking Star Wars with you dude as always uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think. Hit us up on the Twitter, because we do post little bits about Star Wars throughout the week. So let us know what your thoughts are on some of the Boba Fett stuff. Let us know your thoughts on this upcoming video game. And if you've got any Palatoys knocking around. Because if you have, don't sell them. We'll take them off your hands for free, and we'll, we'll make sure that they go to a good home. We won't sell them. Not, not lying there. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, take care of yourselves. Stay safe and healthy. We'll see you next time, and may the Force be with you. Always.